Hello, everyone. We are back with more of our game of A Land Once Magic in our world that is candlelit, hallowed, haunted, and coarse with our touchstones of an Omar Rayan painting called Pookie, the emergence of life from decay and decay from life, and the iconic Argentine tango song La Cumparcita. And we have talked through a legend of a unbeatable monarch and her foundational morality and the legend warping giving rise to industry. We talked about magic in this setting and differentiations or delineations between animals and monstrous uh, creatures and things about darkness and ritual. So lots of cool stuff with this game giving us a bunch to work with. And next, I think we should jump to, it looks like this is page four in the book, take turns drawing a card and comparing it to the table. Answer the question, elaborate as needed, but keep it short. Feel free to ask further questions or ask permission to pitch ideas. Each player should answer two questions or four or or a total of six questions. Decide if you want to draw more or move on. If a card is drawn, but that question has already been answered, answer the corresponding question on the magic table, which is a couple of pages down. So do we want to do these one at a time or draw them in sets of three or something else? Uh, one, should we try one at a time? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Marianne, can you get us one more card? I absolutely can. I am prepared. It is the Ace of Hearts, uh, which is another New Hope movie poster. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ace of Hearts, Ace is odd. What do you mean? Aces are odd, yeah. Okay, so Ace of Hearts, I guess that is what relics remain of the common ancestry between all people, as I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, so who wants to take that one? Or does anybody have a thought? I just have a thought that I want to introduce because I... Ha- kept looking up AJ trying to find an answer to your question about like the general category of candles that you use to light other candles. Mm. And I did not find the answer to that, but I found spiral candles, which have two wicks and one burns down into the well and lights the wick of the other one. And then the other spiral burns. Oh yeah. I think I've seen those, but never lit. And I was like, that's, so freaking cool and also kind of thematically fits so i just want to throw that spiral candle like into the mix of i guess our culture for this world yeah oh that could be like what if there's like a twin legend to the the tallow queen that at the end of the era when the spiral has reached its nature there will be a rise of another tallow queen. <laughs> and there's and something Wittershins is in there as well. Wittershins, yes. Going in the opposite direction. Equal in power, yet opposite to nature. Yes. It could be fun. I don't know if it, maybe there's a relic that what relics remain of the common ancestry between all we haven't really talked about like differing peoples in this world right. yet. Yeah, like was the Tallow Queen the queen of all peoples, and there were like subgroups? And then underneath? there was a split and a division. Was that division along the magic lines we talked earlier between the kinetics and the like necromancy and life folks? Was that like a split? 
Or was it a split more between, like, the ritualistic magic of the dance versus the, like, folk, not gritty, what word, a coarse magic style? I mean, what was the split? What would have caused a schism in this world? Yeah. Are there people who didn't want to kind of push away some of the creatures? And then mm. so they were pushed away with them. There's like a beast master island in this world. I love it. It's very anime. I think you do have people who respond to this in different ways. And that causes not like a binary schism, but like a lot of fracturing. Mm. And I think that culturally, in a lot of cases the stuff that winds up being kind of terrible, you know, is sold to us as it's a convenience or it's for, you know, it does actually accomplish good things. Um, and then we, we just sort of take that for granted and we don't look at all of the, the like the flow through. Right. So I feel like the people who sort of industrialized magic were not necessarily like evil robber baron capitalists. <laughs> I think that they were, probably people who were trying to solve problems and they were like, this is the way we think this problem should be solved. And I think there were probably other groups who were like, we should not solve that problem that way. Um, and you wind up with a beast master Island and you wind up with, you know, encampments. Um, maybe you wind up with encampments that are like, people who are only awake at night um, who have like flopped to their schedules um, in some kind of like ritualistic embracing of the thing they see the capitalists as warding off yeah. and you get more of that like differentiation as time goes on. Yep. You know, another way to look at this is not what causes a schism between, but like, what progress in the world, what changes leave certain people behind? Because yeah. anything we see as progress and change in our societies always ostracizes a certain portion of the population, will always leave behind people. What about people that could not give up their large monsters or candle creatures um, because it helped them with labor or they had a disability that they helped them with? Right. I was thinking about that with like magic being very centered in the body and very tactical, mm. tactical, tactile, like the industrialization of magic, the way we have talked about it has absolutely sort of painted very fit, able-bodied people who can dance for a long time mm -hmm. as the most productive and magical people in society. Right. Yeah. And especially with, in a world that is, decentralizing healing magic and increasing necromancy magic yeah. uh, and focusing on the ability pr to produce kinetic-based kind of physicality of magic. That's, ooh, that's an incredibly ableist-centered uh, yeah. world. That gets rough. We should probably draw another card. Because I think, yeah. we, I, I greatly believe in our ability to go for a long time on any given thing. So I'm going to try to keep us moving. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is the two of hearts. It's another new hope poster. Okay. So we have no return of the Jedi things yet, but so I guess even so is the even land. Heart. Yeah. 
what anomalies in this world are used as landmarks? How old are they? Oh, this is interesting. This is definitely a different dimension than we've been focusing on. Yeah. What in, in what ways is the land or the world coarse? Or is it about, are there landmarks that are hallowed and haunted? Are the places where I go first? For some reason, I want to say giant bones. Love some Mega- giant bones. My very first thought was like megaflora and megafauna. Absolutely. Yeah. This world is a, is magic that is, you know, gritty and visceral and, and kinetic. It's very much in the land itself. And it's also a world where magic's being used a lot in the necromatic sense of being constantly, you know, not allowing stuff to decay perhaps as it should. So the further out you go from civilization, perhaps the things that shape the landscape are these giant creatures that were not brought back by necromatic means Mm -hmm. and were actually allowed to lay where they fell. And these giant bones, perhaps they're like some, some pack animals that die go to one place to die and there's these giant boneyards that, you know, eventually over time maybe get covered with greenery and land and so forth. But it's these giant bones that shape the landscapes of certain areas. And I think maybe it's regional. So Mm -hmm. like some places have these giant bones and some places have giant tree roots and plant roots and nurse logs and I think the thing that these places have in common is that these are the hallowed spaces, right? Because these are the places where people used to practice the less codified, more folkloric, like more improvisational style of, of magic, right? Like in these very like connected to the natural like cycles of things places now are these the hallowed places or the haunted places i think they're both i think that the hallowed places are now haunted like i think they probably used to just be hallowed and now they are also haunted right see i was seeing it more as a tension of like something is haunted when there's like a high magic activity and then it like as things fade and settle it becomes hallowed but you're saying It can go, it's like the opposite way. I was thinking that like, yeah, I I guess I was thinking about it the opposite way, right? That like these places that were very connected to the cycle were the most magical places. And now all of that magic has faded. And really what you're getting when you go there is no longer, you know, that, that sense of magic, but you're getting like the haunted the ghosts of the magic that used to be there. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, Let's do another card. Okay. Now we have the 10 of hearts and that's another, another new hope poster. That's going to be another even heart one. Yes. So that's, that means uh, the card is drawn. Answer the corresponding question on the magic table. And so that was a 10. Can you separate magic from religion or cultural identity? So we've talked a little bit about some of this stuff already. I'm curious what, where we would want to build here is like, has magic been separated in that it's been universalized, right? 
if there were like regional practices, but then there was an orthodoxy that was pushed out from the center. I was thinking about your comment earlier about how like when you move away from a place, like you more strongly identify with, with where you're from basically. And this feels like it ties into that too. Right. Like, like when magic was less codified, there were regional practices, but they were just regional practices and they were maybe less emphatic. Mm. Um, But as it was industrialized, I think the people who held on to those like metaphorical regional identities probably really held on to those regional identities, which may have further created like some schisms, right? Cool. And AJ, what do you think? All I can think is I like I do, I want to like veer away from the because we have like tango and rotten decay and we have bones now and we have necromancy and I kind of like I just like am I impulsively want to veer away from like the whole like Catholic overtones of like bone yeah. cathedrals and stuff yeah. just add add a pure spite add a pure writer spite not even thinking about bone cathedrals and now I'm thinking about bone cathedrals. <laughs> We can have bone cathedrals, but let's not make them cathedral cathedrals. Let's, yeah. like, you know, make them something else. Yeah, like, because um, instead of bone cathedrals, do we have, like, bone raiment and bone, like, ritual implements? So, you know, the kind of, or the, the canonized, like, the the official priest has, like, okay, cool, you know, here's my scepter that's made out of a spine and, like... Mm-hmm. Because you you can go from architecture into like implements, or we it's, go some other it's way. It's true. I, this is probably just a personal taste of mine. Large over oh, organized religion on a large scale. I love making more religions that are more like regional. I, I love making the smaller the religion possible in fantasy settings the more interesting they are to me right. because it, it just, it makes it more personal. Like a, yeah. a, the thing I was working, the thing I've been work, working on in my back pocket for a while, I just need to convince a publisher to, to let me write it and publish it is this small gods fantasy world mm. where all the big gods obliterated themselves in this war with each other. And all that's left is these itty bitty little shrine gods okay. that hold the world together in a patchwork. And that's the kind of like, I, but I think I think it's interesting that the assumption is that like it is a big like religion like Catholicism because I was not applying religion to this right like I am still very stuck on industry and I was mm-hmm. thinking about how mass production and a factory setting like maybe you have a poster of a boneyard. <laughs> But really what you have is the most efficient process possible. So you are divorcing the, like, the practice of magic from whatever it used to mean to all of these different people. Because now what it means is whatever the focus of this industry is. Right. Like, has sacrality actually fallen out of or been pushed out of industry? And so we're actually we've cycled around to 
regional local folk religious yeah. activity where or, go ahead i'll say or folk, or it's become more of the comforting folk charms and folk rituals that you know they you 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 buy a bone charm when you go home visit home to visit your parents but you don't go to the temple or whatever that's not what you do anymore it's it's the religion the the belief is in the practices the small practices not the organized religion is that kind of like what people are getting at that's that's sort of what i was talking about yeah where the like the whole idea of the production of magic has been like i guess desanctified and mm-hmm. unconsecrated um because it wasn't ever like a consecrated thing before if it was just like a natural thing right like now now we are having now we are seeing the 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 separation of those worlds right mm-hmm. as we as we develop this so yeah and i feel like that kind of gets us away from big big church catholicism type stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah, because cool. like in the world we create, there's really no need for like a gatekeeper type figure with the magic. Yeah, I feel like I, I can imagine a like an industrial patent cop more than <laughs> I can like an Inquisition. Yeah, because of the character I play in our other game, I think a lot about this kind of thing, right? And what it looks like when corporate like corporate interests and corporations replace government and support networks and social structure and that sort of thing and a lot of what it looks like is company towns and i feel like that's kind of what we're talking about here too right where it's all every aspect of the lives of the people are dedicated to whatever this industry is and removed from, you know, whatever sphere it used to belong to. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do Shall we go on to another card? Yes. I want to get a face card for magic that was in this I section. I do too, but what I got was the four of diamonds. Okay. So four of diamonds. Looks like that is, what is the common transportation method that caravans utilize? I mean, Long, like before, in the Talaquin era, it would be these giant awesome candle creatures yeah i think pulling things and stuff yeah but i think those would probably have fallen out of out of fashion aj are these caravans pulled by the reanimated dead now (laughs) Mm. powered by the industrialized magic (laughs) so like uh reanimated humans yeah okay how or is just that? Zomb- zombie oxen. <laughs> right. Like, and I, because we have the opportunity to not, or like, how is that considered culturally? Is that just normal? Are these, are those considered the same people anymore? Is it like, oh, well, my, you know, my grandfather still pulls our cart since he died 20 years ago? Or are the, are they dis- depersonalized? When you put it like my grandfather still pulls our cart and he died 20 years ago, that's actually kind of sweet and like a nice way to stay connected hmm. to your like people who have passed on. Right. 
I don't know that this is that sweet a world. I mean, it could be as simple as, I mean, we say zombies, but it doesn't have to be zombie rules. Like, the actual person's in the head, and so they remove the head and bury it, and then the rest of the body is animated, and then the body is, you know, does whatever... Uh, work, you know, and it may not even be like stay in the family. It goes to, I think there was a meme I saw, like there was a meme that went around of like your body being reanimated and going to the government after mm. you die or something. But uh, something like that, where where there is something, there is a portion of the body that is considered yeah. the person, and that portion of the body, mm. I would argue, the head or something like that, would yeah. be removed and sanctified, and then the rest of the body is just. My other thought was that we used to have these giant candle creatures pulling these these caravans, and those are the specific candle creatures that were reanimated. So the sort of like living version of those creatures are not valued, are feared, are are not you know something we consider controllable at this point. But we have this like finite resource of the mega oxen that used to pull it, and they still do. So, like, that makes it a finite resource, which makes it dwindling and valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then you could have a cultural movement where it's like, okay, this, this ranching company is lobbying really hard to get this type of creature. Like re like uh, yeah. revalidated because then they would have access to this incredible like capital resource, right? Of like, well, I have I have thirty more candle brachiosauruses, and if if I can get those approved, you know, now I have a whole fleet, mm-hmm. uh, like a whole caravan uh, fleet, and so there'd be like a lot of pol- like, is it politicking? Is it like getting? licenses is it about like a cultural fight of like no this is cool like of changing social mores uh like mores yeah making them seem docile or palatable to the upper crust or any number of things and then you do have that political fight of is it okay to use live candle brachiosauruses or do we only use reanimated brachiosauruses? So even if you have a herd of 30 of them, now, like, we're only going to use them if they're reanimated. Right. Yeah. Or is there, um, is there something about the air, that age that is valued? It's like, oh, well, they're, they're not what they used to be in like a, exactly. in like a, a, a completely like fabricated fashion of like, you know, the, there hasn't been evolution to make them like notably a different creature in any meaningful fashion. There is just this, okay, this part of history is, is venerated in some weird, in some way. Scarcity snobbery, you know, like, Mm. right. Is that some way in which changes fought against, right? Like, Oh, okay. Do we have merchant families that just conveniently have all of these animated candle creatures and they said, cool, yeah, uh, no more, because that benefits them. Of like, oh, ac- strangely, the cutoff just happens to benefit me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That one card instantly gives me so much, so much more juice, which uh, is fantastic. So they say a total of six 
So we can probably We've got four. Four. Okay. Um, yeah. What have we got next? And the next card is your face card. Uh, this is the Queen of Spades, Revenge of the Sith. Queen of Spades. Okay. What toll did magic take to cast? What has recovered since it was locked? And so in this set of prompts, there is the idea that magic was locked at some point, And that's kind of why we're post fantasy. I don't know that we necessarily want to lean into that, but we could reinterpret locked. So like mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to mind is like, is using magic. Does that burn some candle literally or metaphorically? Like, are you burning the candle of your life? Are you burning some resource? Like, oh, okay, well, we, we make candles out of X and different types of magic use different types of candles if we want to go really that direction or um, something. Because, like, you could do sympathetic magic of, like, oh, well, I put a candle on this rock so that I can do magic that impacts the rock. I mean, I mentioned did mention that candles can be made out of, like, animal fat and stuff. That right. plays into the whole necromancy and things. If you mm-hmm. need certain animals or humans fat for certain magics. But, I mean, it's like we've, we've emphasized that the magic of this world is, is like, kinetic and coarse and mm-hmm. in the body. So it definitely has, I feel like, I mean, I feel like the the easy answer is that it's, it has a life force, energy, whatever kind of cost, even if it's just, you know, exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think that one of the arguments that was probably made around the codification of magic is that it's safer now. Sure. And I think that that sort of improvisational like more i don't know home remedy magic like there's the cost of the exhaustion but there's also maybe the idea that like the more outlandish a feat you perform the stronger the magic will be and so people make some questionable choices and you know just actually get in like completely non-magical accidents around it as well there's probably that life force question that aj brought up like as well so it's like a double whammy so is that like to try to connect things do you in that system do you then get like really acrobatic and athletic dances as part of magic like is that how this the kind of dangerous or outlandish? i don't like it because it's 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 again it's it's veering so ableist Hmm. i don't like i think what if the magic, the 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 kinetic tie, the coarseness of the magic is tied in? So we have a coarse kinetic kind of magic. We have a a very active folkloric magic community during the time of the Tallow Queen, and we have the use of candles all wrapped up into this. What? If the reason that folkloric magic is kind of codified out after the Telequine is because folkloric magic actually was able to subvert and avoid the whole like kinetic cost because it actually underlined that the magic was tied to, I want to say like, I want to bring in like the nature, like the, the, the freshness of ingredients the 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 
ability to, like, you know how when you go visit a friend that lives at a farm and they cook you a meal that has ingredients that they just went out and picked from their garden and it tastes way better? Right. Like, that, but magic. And maybe, maybe that was a shortcut to the folklore that magic had that threatened the folks in the cities. And so, like, the codification and moving away and the obscuring of the Tallow Queen was part of that. Right. And is another avenue of magic, so it doesn't make it quite so, like, essentially ableist that, that the only way to generate these highly powerful magics is by uh, kinetic physicality. Right. So- well, I, I don't think that it's the only way. I think, like, I think that's the thing about the folkloric magic, right? And uh-huh. then the thing about, like, the industrialized magic is that it is codified as, like, this is the way, this is the way we've made it safe. This is the most efficient way, like whether it is or not. Right. And I think there's lots of different avenues for that in folkloric stuff, whether it's somebody has particularly good ingredients or like somebody is actually drawing, you know, the, the energy for their magic from the strength of their community that they have like built and, and worked towards. Yeah. Um, I think that there's like, so much room for lots of different sources depending on the kind of person that each person is like it's really individualized as opposed to like the the mass like mass produced magic basically yeah right what if like the codification part of the codification is it's seen as you know unvirtuous to not produce your magic with your own body or whatever and so they They've they've codified these other things that are like perceived seen as like wild magics that you know everyone else has been using for hundreds of years and is completely even more efficient than what has been commercialized and codifi- codified as the safer, more clean way of doing magic. Yeah, because if cause the colonized way of doing magic, is right? Because well. I I'm thinking like okay, if I use D and D terms here, so it's like. At some point or for some chunk of time, material components were really, really highly valued. And so like the quality of, okay, this this leaf from this tree out by the like the gigantic tree, we do the magic with that, and we have, you know, specific location and community aspects. And so those factors were prioritized, at least in some regional styles. And then in a more potentially more urbanized magic material like material uh, components have to be more standardized for like shipping and 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 things like that so you you almost have farm to table magic and then like industrial farming magic mhm yeah and like all of the different farming styles in between cuz i think that yeah i'm going to sit on that rant but like the individualization and so that introduces like not even according to this chart that interest introduces to me the sort of like question of in this society do we see the same thing we see now right where the ultra rich are having their bespoke individual magic experiences and it's you know it's it's cool to pay eight dollars for for truffle three cheese grits for them, but it's not cool to have like your grits in a trailer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do we see that same 
sort of side effect where the production of magic gets that almost what's the opposite like the like the opposite of a bear bell curve where like the high value is either this or that i don't know i forget all the names of my curves (laughs) yeah i think that's uh that points in some some cool ways um let's do our sixth card and then we may be able to build that into this next section our sixth card is the jack of diamonds Okay, so the Jack of Diamonds, going back here, is, looks like, what artifacts does magic linger in? How does it manifest, and can it be lost? Because we had a little bit about relics earlier. Artifacts could be similar or not. I mean, maybe this is where those spiral candles come in. Mm. Yeah, I think if we're doing candles, like, there's got to be something about candles the way they can capture magic. Yeah. So is it like the fat? Like, are the candles necessarily made from, like, fats and, you know, li- formerly living materials? Is there no uh, soy candles in this world? Is that why we call them candle creatures? Oh, no! No! <laughs> I veto that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm like, no, this is terrible. But I <laughs> Necromancy, chopping off relatives' heads before you zombify them, yes. Fine. Making candles out of pookie? No. No. But otherwise, like, I think, you know, I think it has to be, it feels to me that if magic is this visceral and, like, coarse, it has, it, it, it has to wear in the grooves and ruts of things easily i think it places has to accumulate magic like this places where these rituals and dances are, are taking place i think that that almost becomes a problem like they have to like scrub the places yeah. elsewise the wild magic would would cause problems for the especially the commercialized right. mm-hmm. Do, does that then create gentrification cycles where you do magic in a place and then it reaches the point where it's dangerous and it becomes low end housing. And then that dissipates over time and it becomes more valuable and it gets gentrified and people do do more magic there. Again, what are the, what are the mushrooms of this magic accumulation or decline? What grows where there's too much or too little magic? I think that's where we get into how does it manifest and can it be lost, right? Yeah. Like, like, like there's this Ford factory, we'll say, right? Like the Ford industrial <laughs> factory for magic. <laughs> and part of scrubbing it is cleaning out like the growths and eventually the growths spread too quickly, like kudzu. And can't be ripped out. And that's sort of the, like, the moment, right? When you lose that factory where there's a tipping point and you're sort of constantly battling against the magic that's settling into, right. like, the rebar and the I-beams and whatever else that's been used to so construct it. What's that I feel stuff like the, called? We got to go back. I think the word we haven't used much of is haunted for yeah. that. This is what haunts the world. What is the growth? The haunt. Yeah. Is it like something 
I keep thinking of the memory it, pearls from our game. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it something orthogonal to all the other stuff we've talked about? Is it like, you know, is this something that's more like cosmic horror or mythosy? Like that's, that's totally other and not, uh, not necessarily in any, in the total combination of the way that mythos stuff uh, operates, but like, mm-hmm. is it extra dimensional in some fashion like okay does magic tap into some other place and then there's like uh like a breach in the veil in the way of like i guess ooze like the the ooze or the goop in the ghostbusters movies i like the goop more than like cosmic horror because if we're if we're going with a magic that's very coarse and ingrained in the world then i would think that the excess or buildup of that would also have to be like maybe like a primal ooze or like crystals, maybe like hmm. faceted growth. I was I thinking keep... like barnacles. barnacles. I don't know that we have to do like barnacles, but I like because barnacles are coarse. Mm-hmm. Coral, some oh, kind of yeah. coral growth. I keep coming oh. back to kudzu and how quickly it spreads and how like impossible it is to eradicate certain vining plants <laughs> and what if it i mean because it's not like we have to stick to a plant that we know but what if it is something that has like those characteristics and that like covering capability right where it blankets yeah. a thing but it has more of the like animal nature of the barnacle like when barnacles are open that looks strange and amazing because they're creatures, right? So what if it is like, and the way we, we think about mushrooms as like little individual things, but really they're like a huge connected organism. So what if the, the thing that haunts is that huge connected organism and what we get are these manifestations of it in these like blanketed like weird corally shaped barnacle animal like things that people aren't like sure if it's a plant or an animal or what exactly it is, but it's still very much a part of the natural world. It's just, it's just weird. So if, if barnacles were a fungus and then like the fruiting bodies are the ghosts. Yeah. They just occasionally develop like an eye or a beak or something random places. No one knows um, why. And they're like nearly indestructible too. Like so, you can't burn them. You can't yeah. crush them. I want us to come up with a name for this because I feel like that if I were going to go do something with this, having that name is really important. Let's say like um, something, what's the, uh, when you cast something, the melt off or the cast off. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much on it. I really like, the term fruiting bodies. Mm-hmm. And if we can incorporate something from like this waxy candle, like situation right. into fruiting bodies, I think that'd be really cool. So I am Googling wax terminology. What are five characteristics of wax? Candling terminology. Okay. Oh, but not like ear candling terminology. Uh, exclude. Um, Glossary of candle terms for candle making. And this is what writers do. Uh-huh. This is yeah, a hundred percent. 
burn rate, chatter Chatter marks. marks. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go to a different page so that I'm not just repeating the same things that you have. Um, Excess melted wax running down the outside is called a gutter. It's called what? A gutter. Mm. Um, We have jump lines. Mushrooming is a candle term. Mm-hmm. I think gutter is funny because I, when I hear gutter, I think um, gutter wicks, guttering in a comic book. But the idea that the gutter fills and flows is like and it's overflow. dissonant in an interesting way. Yeah, I kind of like gutter wicks. Like, I like gutter wicks. And so, is is our gutter wicks the fruiting? And then gutter is the thing overall? Or is it all gutter wicks? I think gutter wicks are the barnacles. Yeah, they're the whole barnacle. It's a gutter wick infestation. Yeah. Goddamn gutter wicks. Okay. Yeah. You can like, you can curse it really effectively. Yeah. Gutter wicks. Overall thing. Okay. So gutter is the overall thing. And then gutter wicks are the like barnacle fruiting body. Do people who are super invested in industrialized magic call people who stick to more like localized regional folkloric magic gutter wicks as like an insult? It could be an insult. Is gutter wick, are gutter wicks something that can grow on a human if they accumulate too much magic? That's... That's where, like, someone writes a short story. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, because... A barnacle to eye. Mm-hmm. Because you could, uh, like, this is also kind of still going into that horror place, which is fine. But are there places where, up to a point, it's fashionable? Because it shows that you're a magician. <laughs> and so that you so have... A little bit of scaling is okay, but if it gets barnacly, it's... Uh, yes. This is cool. Is and gross. that something that the dancers who work in these industrialized factories have to worry about? Oh yeah, because they're subsumed in it. Mm-hmm. They're constantly generating it, and they're constantly like marinating in it. So, do they have like the equivalent of emergency like chemical exposure showers? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Is there like sicknesses associated with this? Or, right. or is there like a, a superstitions about a sickness, but it actually is harmless? Right, like thing, you know, there is no black lung for industrial magic workers, but there's like a superstition about it, or yeah, or it's just it's so it's it's so not appealing to society at large that any sign of gutterwick or these kind of this kind of over influence of magic is so undesirable that it's it's you know there's room it's it's treated like an illness or a disease even if it's is there an entire like beauty spa industry that has grown up around removing barnacle like gutterwick scars yep and gutterwick scars yeah very cool what an awful world we've made together i know right this is delightful it is it's it's awful, but there's also parts that could be very cool. It's not mm-hmm. to me. It's not like a hundred percent bad top to bottom, which means that I can like deal with the badness more. Um, so we've mm-hmm. already been talking about city cities. 
we can throw some extra prompts into that. Build a city primer using this table below. Choose whether the city is crumbling or flourishing. Name the city after, only after answering the respective questions. With the same three cards draw, answer the questions in the calendar before moving on. So this is, again, looks like it is it is three cards. So we're going to do, I guess, one city. Do we want this city to be crumbling or flourishing? I think we've talked about crumbling a lot. Should we talk about a flourishing city? That's Yeah. yeah. Then, yeah, let's have another card. We have the two of diamonds. So two of diamonds. Looks like we're back to... This. So innovation, a nexus of learning and invention. So the, the city, this city's influence was innovation, a nexus of learning and invention. Do we want to talk about that or do you want me to draw the next card? Give us the whole like... Yeah, let's thing. do all of them. Okay, um, this is the three of spades. Uh, so we have the, its variant of magic was secretive, feared, or shunned if seen in public. It's a variant of magic. And then another legend was born here. Discuss its title and their current status. Um, it's a crew because this is the seven of diamonds and it's upside down. But it's the seven of diamonds. So titled for their reputation or symbols. Another legend was born here. So we have a flourishing city whose influence was innovation its variant of magic was secretive, feared, or shunned. And another legend was born there of a crew. Discuss the city's proximity to another landmark. Yeah, like... What if it was a city that was near one of these boneyards? Yeah, absolutely. And actually secretly was a place of learning it was known to be a place of learning but actually had a flourishing uh, school for healing which yeah. was secretive magic that used not only that experimented not only with working in the power of the bones from the nearby resources but also the power of the gutterwicks themselves as a resource hmm. Instead of making people sick, do the Gutterwicks actually themselves form sort of a symbiotic relationship with whoever they grow on? That could be cool, and and it's it's not really well known because people are so, it's such a societal societal yeah. ick that it's removed so quickly. And this is one of the one of the few places in the world where it's actually secretly being studied, and. You know, perhaps their studies have been greatly hampered in the recent years, but cool. Yeah, I'm, there anything, I'm thinking about is there like, anything. Okay, I say, is there anything unique about the boneyard it's located next to that it's happened to pop up here as opposed to other places? Is there uh, some species that either came to or already had a symbiotic relationship with the um, the gutterwicks? And that that like relates to or informs why some, something is different here. Like, oh, okay, well, because there's such a, like a long like, is there a an ancient gutterwick colony or gutter colony in or by the boneyard? And so it is so it, it is 
big enough or old enough or something enough that people related to it different? Like, is that, is that the, is that where some of the difference comes? I was also thinking about bees and bees wax and bees hives and like the source of candle wax that we get from bees wax, that sort of thing. And what if this is like, what if this is one of those places, right? Where there's multiple sources of, of things and yeah, there's an established gutterwick colony because you can't, you can't root them out. You can't make them go away. Mm-hmm. But what you have now are bees that are like getting pollen from the fruiting bodies of gutterwicks mm. because they must bloom. And like the candle wax that people are making from the beeswax is like in you know the way you take like you eat local honey to deal with allergies Hmm. and i feel like there's something kind of in the 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 like the product there and the like the 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 connection because people are still using candles Mm -hmm. and you know they're still they're still trying to find ways to incorporate you know that that light right and so where does our crew or legendary crew come in here? Is it a, like a legendary crew of beekeepers? Is it a legendary crew of like people who are doing something or harvesting something or relating to the boneyard? Is it I, I, I was about to say librarians, but this is probably just me. <laughs> well, uh, I was thinking, is it a legendary crew of people who are, you know, people who are are covered with gutterwick mm-hmm. or yeah that would be nice that'd be a nice twist on it yeah i was i was going to say like crew of like doctors or researchers or something but yeah maybe there's actually a you know cuz probably people who have too bad an infection and like the the have reached that symbiotic point where it can't be removed, but it can be ostracized from society. And perhaps somewhere near the city, you know, it's become a refuge place for folks with gutterwick symbiosis. And there is a, there was a legendary crew of these people that actually, you know, they did something great, whether they were adventurers or, um, Gutterwick superheroes. A great D and D team, guys. Yeah, but did you ever read the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant? No, No, I just watched Um, that show. He is a terrible person, but it's it's he's a leper, and so that is sort of woven through the whole series of of these books, right? Like he's a leper. He's he's like stigmatized by society, but also he is doing these things and it's instead of like one exceptional individual, we have like a crew of these people. I was thinking a different book series. Sorry. I don't think Thomas Covenant has had a TV show. Um, I think it would be, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know that you could make that TV show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was also thinking like the kind of reminded of uh, like the leper colony idea. Cause, cause you have like, okay, there's one, there's an, a version of like inverting that, that is like, oh, well the symbiosis with the gutter wicks then gives you 
different magic, better magic, superpowers, insight, or is it like, oh, okay, well, if you have a good relationship with your with your gutter wicks, then you are a community. Like that symbiosis already lets you reach that level of community, which gives you a certain type of magical potentiality. Yeah, almost like I almost like the idea of it not being like a magical power, but maybe like makes you healthier, stronger, easier, able to fight fight illnesses, like basic survival stuff. Can you eat gutterwicks? I don't think you can. I, I want them to be kind of like indestructible. Yeah, because they're a problem, you know. If they, you could eat them, they'd end up, you know, bougie gourmet food at some point. Right. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can eat that we don't because of like weird social stigma stuff. So I was like, D- can yeah. we eat them? Or is I don't it know. like, do people only eat some part of a gutter wick? It's like, oh, okay, like the equivalent of pe- we will we only eat the petals. We don't eat the stamen or the stem or anything like that. Was that? That is all three of those. And then with the same three cards, we do the calendar. So oh. calendar, we have a three. What's Gutterwick honey taste like? Sorry. Oh, that's um, a good question. Salty for sure. Let's see. So we had a three, a seven, and... A two. A two, okay. So I'm just going to go down here. Two, how do the celestial bo- celestial bodies play in tracking the year? Where do the names of the months or equivalents come from? And that was a three is the other one. Yeah. Um, what is used to track the passage of time? How is it represented visually? These I mean, be- we have... Well, <laughs> I was going to say candles are already do that. <laughs> and like candles are a timekeeping device yeah. already. So maybe we we track the passage of time by candle, but the like the segments that time is broken into are are tied to different things, right? Like instead of the movement of the sun, it is some entirely different celestial body. Yeah. Let's see, where do the names of the months equivalent come from? Would could that be like the the months are different ingredients that we make candles out of. Are the months sort of tied to some kind of cycle um, that, that the people are otherwise experiencing, right? Like not necessarily ingredients, but something cyclic. Um, Like now it's, it's, it's gods and numbers, but (laughs) What if it were more sort of tied to like a harvest and planting and death cycle? Right. Like, because you could have like, okay, well, spring is some kind of dying, some kind of birth, some kind of growth, some kind of dying, some kind of like, it makes me think of the uh, like Facebook or or Tumblr or whatever memes of like, well, you get four winters, right? Because it's like first winter and then uh, like false, like uh, you get another autumn and then you get this winter and like, is that sick? Do we like have an an analog to that cyclicality that goes into months or something or seasons? Well, and also we could make it dance terms too because we Uh, have these ritual dances going on. 
do the ritual dances like the old old ritual dances do they have their roots in some kind of ritual that acknowledges like that cycle of seasons and life and death and growing and right. and decay and that sort of thing right where in at the last harvest we uh, we dance insert name of dance here because yeah. that is the it's what the everybody dances this together thing turned into like uh-huh. the, basically the circle dance turns into like partner or quartet dance. I, I mean, you could cool. have like you know, the whole like Allegro Adagio or uh, uh, not a dancer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Part of being a writer is like being a, not a lot of things, but knowing just a little enough to get your research started. Right. Cause it's like, is is the word for the first year in the month some play on the idea of like an overture? Yeah. Or is it some play on the word for like whatever the first measure of music is called? Or mm. when like a conductor raises their baton, what is that called? I don't know. Right. But is it something that signifies the beginning of a dance? And then the like rest of it is the various parts of a dance and the tempos at which they are danced. And then, you know, coming to the end of the the cycle of the dance and moving on to the next dance. Right. That is very cool. I think we are at a good place to take our second break and then we will come back for uh, what is our last section journey in the land. Um, And I guess we get through Journey in the Land and then we just vibe uh, and, and talk until we feel like we're done. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi, everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.